Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. My name is Dr. Adam Singer. I'm the co-host of Autism Weekly, as well as the Chief Executive Officer of ABS. Um, I have over 30 years of experience in the field of medicine and pulmonary medicine and critical care, and I'm very eager to learn um, from our exciting guests. Uh, my co-host, Jeff. Yeah, as, as Adam stated, my name is, is Jeff Skibitsky. Beyond being the co-host for Autism Weekly, I am the founder and president at ABS. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and an advocate for nearly two decades. Super excited to be a part of the discussion today about creating opportunities and experiences in the community for children with autism. And equally proud to welcome our guest, Leslie Folks Warner. She's the owner of four cookie cutter hair salons across Utah. She's an experienced hairstylist that has developed some really strong skills in serving, uh, serving children with special needs. You'll find her cookie cutter locations in the Brickyard, Cottonwood Heights, West Valley, and Bountiful in Utah. And just as an aside, Leslie, both my girls frequented cookie cutter hair salons for several years, and I can always remember them deliberating. Which vehicle do they get to sit in for their haircut this time? It was always such a fun experience. Leslie? How did you get started in this industry, just the overall hair salon industry? Yeah, so I went to cosmetology school while I was in high school. Um, Utah has some really great concurrent enrollment programs, and I didn't necessarily know that hair was what I wanted to do forever, but it was definitely something to get me through and to maybe put me through college once I figured out what I wanted to do. And so when I graduated, I actually took a semester and went and worked at Disney World, which was super fun. Um, and I got to be around kids. And I think that that's what kind of just sparked my, my passion in working with kids and just kind of brightening their day. So when I moved home after my semester, I just really started looking for a place that would fit both my skill set and my passion. And, and that's when I found cookie cutters. So you know, it's not, it's not, it's interesting. You've got the kids because I just came back from Disney world pre COVID and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm a kid at heart. So <laughs> the, um, so, but, so you've got the kids, but how did you then morph into children with special needs? So it's just kind of happened organically. I mean, when you have a space set up for that, you're bound to start encountering children that have a hard time, you know, special needs or not. Um, and so just like in order to make our business successful and make myself successful in this industry, you just have to learn to adapt and, and to be able to work with kids and finding out what works best for them. So it was just kind of a no brainer that, you, you know, we needed to kind of create a system or a plan to really help these kids out. And more importantly, help these parents out because getting your kids haircut is, is a task and it's not really that fun. And so just finding that way to make it fun and, and making that errand go a little bit easier for that, for that mom or dad. So now Leslie, when, when you were going through that process, it always strikes me is that <laughs> you're entering into something and you know that kids are a challenge, but you tackled that you were at Disneyland and I don't know a place where you have to, where you have to work harder. 
Um, and then you go into the hair salons where you know you have unique challenges. You're getting a very special kind of grouping of, of children at times where it's, it's hard for them to be there. Do you, do you feel like there is anything unique to, to yourself or to the people who you hire that is, is creating that success? I definitely feel like you have to want to be there. Like it's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. If you are not going to be successful, especially at our salon, if, if you don't have a passion for kids because kids pick up on everything. It's kind of like dogs smell fear. I mean, kids can pick up on every emotion that you're having. And if there's just an inch of you that doesn't want to be there, they're going to pick up on that and they're not going to have a good time. So when we're hiring people, we definitely go over, you know, this is a high stress job. You're going to get kids that are, that are rough, but you have to be able to, you know, see things for the bigger picture, know that today's a bad haircut, but we have to continue to work with them to make it a better experience for them. And in the long run, you know, the parents appreciate it too. Uh, so it's definitely in our interview process where we do go over scenarios about kids that freak out and about kids that don't like it or, you know, other scenarios about kids that are going to try to beat you up and that kind of stuff, which is we run into a lot. Um, so we just try to be really honest with our um, new hires. Typically, most of our owners have about a two-week period once we hire someone where it's kind of a good window for both of us to say whether we feel like this is working. Um, it kind of gives them an easy out if they, you know, try it and think, oh, I just don't think this is a fit for us. It's just a clean break, no hard feelings. And same on our side, if we feel like, you know, this may not be the best fit for you. Again, just a clean break, no hard feelings. You implied there early on that, that all kids might have an issue with their first haircut or any haircut, right? Yeah. Is there a difference in your approach between those kids? I mean, any kid, kid without a developmental disorder or delay, and those, you know, and other kids, or is your approach the same for all the kids? Or is there a difference? So typically speaking, I inform my staff that we treat all kids with loving care, no matter what challenges they may face. So as far as our initial approach, things are pretty, pretty similar. We greet every child by their first name, welcome them into a chair, whatever chair they want to sit in. And then a lot of times with, with, Kids, sometimes the parents will mention, oh, hey, you know, they might, they're on the spectrum or, you know, they have a little bit of a speech delay or, or whatever. But a lot of times they don't let us know that. But it's still in our, in our handling of the kids. We just treat every kid with care and, and, and go at it from that perspective. Every single kid, whether they are on the spectrum or not, or whether they're sitting there totally still, I always try to put my clipper in their hand. Or, or on their shoulder, if they're a little bit older, I'll say, okay, I'm just going to touch you with my clipper just to kind of let them feel it in a place that's not on their head before we start. So there's just little things like that that help us to gauge the situation without having to be fully informed about their medical background. Because I don't know, I just, I feel like if you handle every situation with the utmost care, it's not important to know all that other stuff. We'll get, we'll get through it. I find that interesting, Adam, just in the fact that the way that Leslie approaches this as a hair, uh, as a hairstylist is not too different from how a clinician needs to approach those same relationships. In the clinical world, the very first thing you're doing is establishing that rapport. If you want a child to be a part of it, they have to have that relationship, that give and take. 
And then and what Leslie did and in, in, in her description with the with the clippers is that you really need to understand that child, know what maybe some of the triggers might be so that you can approach them appropriately and maybe sensitize them to something that is going to be challenging so that you know and you're prepared beforehand, how can I make this event a, a pleasant one for that child? What do I need to do? What are the steps I take to be able to get there? And, and how do I break that down? It's not too different from the clinical world. It's definitely not different at all. And in this case, it could actually be dangerous putting pointy clippers near a child's head who's hypersensitive to any sense of touch. I mean, it could be very dangerous as they bang your head against them or, or they can get cut very easily, I imagine, or injure the, the beautician or the, the hairstylist. I, I have a question, though, Leslie. The prior to the salon, I mean, not unfortunately, every family who's not listens to this podcast may not have access to your wonderful places where they're trained. I'm wondering if there's any advice you can give to families before they come to a salon, whether it's your salon or any salon, for that first rainy visit. I mean, is there things the family can be doing to prep the child, whether they have autism or not? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely feel like seeking out the salon that you're going to go to is really important and doing a pre-call. Find out, you know, do you have someone in your salon that is more experienced with this or not? Ask them if they're okay. I know things are a little bit dicey right now with COVID restrictions and, you know, capacity restrictions. But explain your situation and ask if they can just come in and just see the salon and get a feel for it. We've had lots of times where kids just come in and, and take a quick tour of the salon, maybe introduce a couple of the staff members to the child, just so that it's a familiar place and it's just not throwing everything at them all at once. Another little side note I do want to address just because it can be kind of a tricky one, clippers. I don't want anyone to be scared of clippers, especially parents too. A lot of times they're like, oh, that's so scary. It's going to cut them. Um, We all use a guard. I wish I would have brought my clippers with me, but we all use a guard that attaches to it. So with that guard on, no matter where it bumps, hits, or anything like that, it's not going to cut them whatsoever. There's a common misconception that uh, scissors are a safer option. And honestly, if a child is is really upset, uh, the clipper is actually the better, safer route, and it gets by much faster. But we do handle all of that in our consultation with the parent. Um, what kind of style they're going for? Are they needing something that's just really, really low maintenance? Or are they wanting something that their child can comb if they have, you know, um, if they like to rub their hair? I know a lot of kids, you know, twist their hair for therapy and stuff like that. And so we just kind of walk through that and make sure that we know what the parent's looking for. And then we tell them the best, safest route to achieve that for them and for their child. So I think one of the, one of the things that I find to be most productive is often where you take these community events and you immerse it back into everything the child's working on in their treatment, everything that they're working on for their daily living. So when you hear this from, uh, from somebody who's, who's routinely seeing children with special needs having those, those unique experiences, is letting the treatment team know. Because for, for one child, the, the clippers might be a problem. But you can work on that at home. You can do some mock sort of uh, situations where you, where you use the clippers without running it. Or you start to sen- desensitize them to the buzz or you let them play with it while they're watching a movie so they can get that pleasurable event uh, set up with 
the Clippers. So when they enter into your environment, Leslie, is that they probably feel more prepped. They probably feel ready. And those techniques, I think, create a wonderful opportunity so that you can start tailoring it back and it can be normalized over time. I like the, I like the process that you work through. The next step after you get the initial first haircut done, whether it be a first haircut ever or just a first haircut at a new place, once we get that first initial haircut, we always recommend to the parent that you keep up with some consistency. So uh, they're going to know their kid's hair. They're going to know how fast it grows. Um, Typically, if they're older, if they're younger, they may not have a grasp on that just yet. But we do recommend that they set steady appointments. We, We like to keep them with the same stylist if they like that stylist. I know, you know, it can be hard personality-wise. Sometimes you don't mesh, but we like to kind of keep consistency. So a lot of our clients will actually book. You offer a little discount in, in pre-booking, but they book every six weeks. Um, a few of our clients, they know. They have it on their calendar. When they come in, they say, haircut was on the calendar today, so that's what we're doing. So keeping that consistency helps to also make that process a little easier. And yeah. How would you deal with a child who you get there, you've done all this prep work, but they're still just... It may not happen. Yeah. So, you know, Adam, that's an interesting question, just because you're going to have a variety of responses. And Leslie's probably seen them all. But <laughs> what you don't want to do is create a, an event where the child has had such a, a trauma going to the hair cutter. Yeah. Going back again becomes hard. So there's, there's techniques in ABA where... I'm not going to reinforce the behavior. I might find something else to reinforce that allows me to exit the haircut at that moment so I don't escalate to a point of crisis. But prior to that is that I'm going to find ways to to sporadically give them reinforcers, help them to realize that, you know, sitting in the chair, that's going to get reinforced. Being able to, uh, to hold their hair up so I can make a clip of the hair. I'll reinforce that. I take these steps to make sure that they are getting enough positive praise and reinforcement through that process that they want to be a part of it and don't feel forced into it. So it could actually take three or four visits just to get them started. Is that the implication? I mean, because you're looking at a lifelong skill here. You're looking at them with uh, a lot of children having daily living skills of going to get a haircut. Um, and I know that washing the hair is a, is a whole nother thing. That, that oh, yeah. running into. Wow. What about washing the hair? Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, Maybe Leslie can go into those stories. Uh, Leslie? So typically speaking, oh, a shampoo is not included just because kids of all ages do not like to get their hair washed. We do have a shampoo sink. It's actually really nice. It's, a, it's more of a table that they can lay down um, instead of being the chair and having their neck cranked all the way back. It's a table that they lay down on. So it is a little bit of an easier process, but we definitely do not recommend it. I mean, if kids are already iffy about getting their hair cut, we don't want to throw that on top as well. We don't include the shampoo unless you want it. <laughs> and so and the issue of the child that's being, you know, really difficult and how do you approach, you know, Jeff gave us a really good view of the ABA look at it. Do you, do you apply those same skills or what do you, what do you do? So I'm, I'm not the, their parent. I'm, I'm a parent. I'm not their parent. So um, I really take from the cues from the parents, and I, and I tell my staff to take the cues from the parent. We let the parent know, I will continue to work with your child, and I will continue to get this haircut as long as you want me to continue. I would, I would hate to 
I would hate to terminate a service and disrupt whatever a parent is already working on with that child. Um, I don't know what they're working on at home. I don't know what they're working on in therapy. So I take my cues from them. If they want me to continue, I am happy to continue. I've done a haircut while the kid was upside down. I've done a haircut while the kid was on the slide. I've done haircuts in parents' laps. We've done haircuts where the kid is sitting on the floor. I mean, we've seen a very broad range of scenarios, but it's, it's never my policy to terminate a service without the parent saying, I think, I think we're done for today just because like, I'm not mom. I am here to do whatever you need me to do and, and I'll support you a hundred percent. So have you ever done the haircut upside down yourself though, Leslie? (laughs) Oh, the kid was upside down. The the head was down and, and we just hurry uh, and got it. <laughs> but the way my haircut ends up, sometimes I think they were upside down. <laughs> when they do mine. Does, that does bring up, a, I mean, a, a really good point. Um, a lot of times is that no matter what your child is experiencing, no matter what treatment they're receiving, and especially with ABA, is that the parent needs to be empowered. They need to know how to be able to coach those community members how to be able to integrate and engage with their child. And the way that Leslie's using the family there, I think is extremely powerful. I think it's the way to be able to do it because the parent should be their advocate, should be their coach. And that's a good step for community engagement and integration. So I really like that fact. I really like the way that you're doing that, Leslie. Is there, is there any advice, uh, Leslie, you could give to other salon owners? I mean, maybe just listen to this podcast. <laughs> but is there anything you would say to them? I think it's really important for owners, for stylists to understand that nobody's nobody's ability or lack thereof is going to look the same. So just because you've always cut this person that has um, autism and they've never acted like this person with autism, it's just really important to be flexible and to, you know, be ready for whatever. Uh, we'll have lots of parents that come in and they're very embarrassed if their kid is, is freaking out or upset, you know, disability or not, they're embarrassed. And we just tell them all the time, you know, we're used to it. If kids liked haircuts, we probably wouldn't exist. Um, but we tell them not to be embarrassed that everyone's gone through it in one form or another. And if they tell you that their kids have always liked haircuts and they've never had a hard time, I mean, good for them, but they're probably not being honest. Because everyone, everyone has that hard time at least once. So yeah, just being flexible, um, not forcing them into a situation uh, that that makes the parent feel uncomfortable. Because again, kids pick up on that, and if they feel that their parents uncomfortable, then they're really going to be uncomfortable. You know, I'm just curious how much the kids drive the style. Just kind of <laughs> curious. Are they? I mean, some of them are obviously so young they don't know. But I mean, do the kids whether they have uh, autism or not? Are they part of the process to determine? how long or how short or yeah. Where's it the parents? Yeah. I would say like, I would say even more so a lot of kids with autism have very specific requests for their hair. Like I said, some of them like it to be a little bit longer. Um, some of it like to be really short so they don't have to style it or comb it or anything. So I think the kids really do drive the style because they need it to be what works best for them. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's more of a, a social thing, but um, definitely you see a lot of kids that are requesting it for 
for ease. <laughs> but yeah. I think Leslie hit on it earlier too, Adam, is that uh, when she was talking about routine, when she was talking about consistency, for a lot of the kids is that they want to have their hair in a very specific way so that they feel good about this is, this is who I am, this is what I'm used to. And I bet you, and I'll ask this to Leslie, is that that's why you're teaming up the same stylist with the same child a lot of the time, is to be able to create that. Is it, I mean, is there, is there logic to that that you're seeing as well? Yeah, it's really important. Like I said, consistency, consistency. And so if you have the same stylist that's doing the same haircut, you're getting that consistency. And then the kid knows what to expect. They aren't getting any surprises. Uh, For our system, we have actually a little note card where it keeps track of all of our clients and we keep notes in there. No, none of our notes say this child is autistic. Give it to whoever you don't want. (laughs) We never have notes like that. Um, Our notes are going to be more like this child does best in the airplane. This child does best with Leslie. This child does best if they have a lollipop in each hand. So we keep notes that are helpful, not hurtful to that visit. Stuff that's going to make it go easier rather than going to be a struggle of like, oh, let's flip a coin to see who gets this kid today. Because if I ever have that happen in my salon, it'll be instant termination. (laughs) So yeah, we keep notes. We also keep notes about the haircut. You know, it does best if you do the number five in the bottom and then fade up and do the scissors last or, you know, just different things like that so that um, we can make the experience consistent and always the best that we can. Well, so. your your care and your empathy and your detail, I mean, you can hear it in the way that you're talking. And I mean, it's not just words that you had said as far as training your staff is that I'm, I'm hearing it in your passion. So it's wonderful to hear. Thanks. Hey. Leslie, we really thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, I'm wondering, is there a place that, I mean, not every one of our listeners will be, you know, in in Brickyard, Cottonwood Heights, West Valley, or Bonteville, Utah, but is there a place that people could go online maybe and at least understand what Cookie Cutters are about so they could look for that in their own markets? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we are a nationwide franchise and we are actually based out of Salt Lake. So most of the corporate training happens here in Salt Lake. And most of the time it happens with me and a couple of my other really great corporate coworkers. So uh, a lot of what we're doing here is what they're doing nationally. And then nationally, they're doing other things too, that are also really wonderful. So I recommend you go, um, you can go to the app store or Google play store. We have an app. It's cookie cutters, haircuts for kids. And on that, you just plug in your location and it'll give you the closest location to you. It has pictures of the staff on there, which is really helpful. You know, if you want to let your child pick out who they want to see, you can actually request the stylist right from your phone, which is, which is kind of helpful again to create more of a, an experience where they're not surprised by anything. But yeah. I would say download our app. It's got all of our information on there. Is there, is there also a website? The website is haircut rfun.com and that's a-r-e fun so um yeah that's our website again has all of our locations on there so you can find the one closest to you social media you can just search out cookie cutters and then whatever area you're in and it'll find the closest one on social media like there there's hundreds of locations across this country so there's going to be one close to you so wow we, we really thank you for coming on today and helping us understand this issue i'm sure it'll be very helpful to so many of our families and we love your enthusiasm and keep it up. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate what you guys are doing and it was, it was really fun. So great. Thanks Leslie. Wow. Jeff, Leslie was great. I mean, that was truly a great glimpse at 
what's really going on for uh, families of kids with special needs. You know, something very real, getting a, getting a haircut, something you could take for granted, but it's not something you could take for granted if you have, basically for any child, but certainly a child with special needs. What do you think of that? Well, I, walking away from that is I, I see that you need to have understanding and you need to bring in a treatment team. What Leslie was able to do is that she took her leverage of understanding children, put it into play, is that she paired, which is the clinical philosophy of really establishing a relationship. The other thing that she did is that she got feedback. She empowered the child by empowering the team around the child. She was able to talk to the parents, understand how to take some of their treatment and clinical principles and bring it into her environment. Then the third piece, it was understanding. She knew that it might be tough. She knew that it might be hard. She knew families were going to have a difficult time, but she was compassionate through the process. And I think that whether it's hairstyles or other community activities or events, these are the important things that we need to make sure that we're empowering constantly is that treatment is a community project. It's truly amazing. I want to thank everyone for joining us on this podcast today and getting a little glimpse of autism in the real world. We'd love your feedback. If you could wish to or would like to or we request you to, send us an email at podcast at abskids.com. We'd love to get your feedback. Uh, Thank you again, everyone, for joining. 